Hi and welcome to Data Hack Radio. In this episode, we will talk to Dr. Alok Gupta. Alok is currently the director of data science at Lyft. Prior to Lyft, Alok was director of data sciences at Airbnb. He did his PhD in mathematics and finance from Oxford University and was a quant trader before getting into data science. We will talk to Alok about how he got into data science and the work he has done at Airbnb and Lyft. So Alok, uh, can you tell me a bit about yourself, your background, uh, your journey so far and, and how did you get into data science? Yeah, thanks again for inviting me. So I'll start, I'll go chronologically. I was uh, born and raised in the UK in London and I went to uh, a number of universities in the UK. So I did, I did an undergraduate in mathematics mm-hmm. at Cambridge University and then a uh, Masters in Mathematics and Finance at Imperial College London. Mm-hmm. And I developed a real interest in uh, stochastic finance. And so I uh, wanted to pursue that further in, in a PhD uh, in mathematical finance at Oxford University, where I was for four years. Mm-hmm. Which years were these? So- I was at Oxford from 2006 to 2010. Sure. Okay. Got it. Got it. And now, going into the PhD, uh, finance was a very exciting world. Uh, Derivative pricing, credit default swap pricing, all of these things were very exciting Mm -hmm. and cutting edge. Um, But then the financial crisis happened. So when I left Oxford in 2010, it was not clear where I could apply uh, some Mm -hmm. of my learning training. And so I ended up in high-frequency trading. Uh, This was a place where I as an opportunity to uh, build algorithms as well as, as a business owner, start to manage those algorithms uh, for profit and loss um, objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another hybrid of a role, and it gave me the opportunity to move to the US. I was working at Deutsche Bank, and I moved from London to New York and worked at their Wall Street office for uh, about a year and a half, And it was then that I started to hear a lot of noise coming out of the growing tech space and especially uh, companies in the Bay Area. And I had some friends who worked in the tech space and they started to describe this role that I hadn't heard of before, Uh, Mm -hmm. this person called a data scientist. So I kept asking people, what is a data scientist? What do they do? Uh, And I kept finding similarities between a data scientist in tech and a quant trader in yeah. finance, which mm-hmm. was my title. Mm-hmm. And the more and more I pushed on this, and I started to go to conferences and seminars, the more and more I understood that um, these were different names for the same skill set, the same people, just in two different industries. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I thought before I commit the next 20, 30 years of my life to finance, I would really like to explore um, what it would be like to apply uh, my skills, my training, my thought process, processes to something that is not finance. Because I suppose from the age of 16 to 30, I'd always been in uh, summer internships in finance and, and mm-hmm. or studying financial mathematics. And it was a great opportunity for me to try something different. And sure. I 
applied to a, a huge number of companies, uh, but only got an interview at Airbnb. And luckily, that interview was successful. And I started there as a data scientist in uh, 2014. And um, the rest, I guess, is history. Sure. And uh, uh, can you tell a bit more about uh, what kind of similarities did you come across and, uh, you know, how, uh, uh, what were some of the things in data science which, which uh, excited you in, in this early phase? Absolutely. The overlaps um, were very much around problem framing. Mm-hmm. What is the problem we are trying to solve? What is the objective function that we are trying to optimize or maximize? Mm-hmm. Um, there were intersections around opportunity sizing. So, um, yes, I can make this update to this algorithm in algorithmic trading. What's the PL upside? If it's very small, I should do something else. Sure. And Airbnb, if I am investigating a new marketing area of marketing, what are the what is the estimated upside to the number of incremental conversions I'm going to bring. If it's more, then why bother doing it? So there's a lot to be said about impact sizing, estimation, um, and then uh, solving the actual problem. Once the problem is framed, what scientific or mathematical or statistical uh, techniques do I need to employ to solve this using the data I have and the objective function I have? How do I get to the optimal solution? So those are some of the intersections What I discovered um, at Airbnb were also a couple of the differences. So there's a couple of things in finance that are taken for given. Mm -hmm. The the metric we're trying to optimize uh, in finance is taken as given. You know, we are trying to optimize P&L. That's a very concrete objective function. Mm -hmm. Whereas in tech, in different domains, uh, it's very, very different. It could be I'm trying to increase the number of searches of my product or I'm trying to optimize the number of conversions yeah. uh, or if it's in marketing, I'm trying to optimize the number of click-throughs or it's not always as clear-cut um, what the objective function is, which makes right. that exciting. The other difference is experimentation is mm-hmm. uh, much harder uh, in tech where in finance, we run an algo and mm-hmm. we see how much money it makes and sort of you're done. In yeah. a space like Airbnb or at Lyft, it's, uh, experimentation is non-trivial. Uh, it's, uh, there are a number of different assignment units um, mm-hmm. and ways of uh, selecting uh, your methodology, which heavily influences what you can actually measure. And so mm-hmm. I think measurement is something that's something I've had to lean into uh, in the data science role versus my previous quant trader roles. Sure, sure. And in the quant trading roles, uh, uh, at that time, uh, did you apply any of these uh, machine learning algorithms, etc., as part of your uh, role, or that was uh, uh, Evan, uh, uh, being done through a black box? Or absolutely. So the uh, the the role, my role was precisely to write those machine learning models. Mm-hmm. which would uh, help us. My role at Deutsche Bank was as a market maker. So we were providing two-sided prices to clients, a price to buy at and a price to sell at in the space of um, foreign exchange trading. So mm-hmm. if, I have, if I'm a client and I have euros, and I want to convert those into dollars. 
we would provide a price at which you could buy dollars from euros or sell um, your euros mm -hmm. uh, into dollars. Um, and so, yeah, we were building, uh, I was building the, the machine learning models to um, uh, optimize the price system which we could show clients. Interesting. So uh, then you started working with uh, Airbnb and then how big was Airbnb at that time? When I joined Airbnb, I think uh, everyone gets uh, a tag and an employee number when they join, okay. which tells you uh, how, uh, where you are in the list of hires. I think my, I was employee number 1112 or something. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. And so globally, we were, I guess, a thousand people when I joined mm -hmm. in San Francisco at the headquarter office, we were probably 500 people. Got it, got it. And how big was the data science team? When I joined, we were a team of 10, I would say. Okay, okay, interesting. And what kind of problems were, were you, uh, you know, working while you were there and, and what kind of challenges came across? I'm presuming that would be a very high growth, fast moving environment. It was. And uh, my role at, during my four years at Airbnb before moving to Lyft four months ago was very um, uh, varied a lot. I, I started at Airbnb um, as the data scientist on their trust and safety forward prediction team. Mm -hmm. So there I was building um, models to predict uh, behaviors that were in violation of our terms and services uh, on the website. Mm -hmm. This meant specifically all your traditional online fraud, such as chargebacks, uh, credit card chargebacks, as well as account takeovers, fraudulent inventory uh, being put up on the site, as well as um, offline behaviors. Because as you know, Airbnb uh, facilitates uh, transactions in the offline, in the real world. So we wanted to, uh, we built models to forecast when we think an interaction between two people in the real world is not going to go well and um, you know, prevent those people from interacting and or remove people from the website if we mm -hmm. think um, they are not going to be uh, a good member of the community. So I did that for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then um, halfway through, uh, so one year into my role, I also started to build up a team to think about data science problems in the space of customer support optimization. Mm -hmm. So we have globally at Airbnb uh, a team of 10,000 plus uh, customer support agents that are using various channels like um, phone, chat, email, um, SMS, etc., to help the community resolve challenges they're facing on the platform or once they're actually in the real world in a listing. And uh, there's many data science problems in terms of how do I optimize how this team, what types of channels these team members, uh, these support members should work on, how I should route tickets to different priority queues based on urgency or what an agent is able to answer or different languages. Can I detect what language is appropriate? So there's a number of uh, operations research optimization problems, a lot of natural language processing problems, 
Um, so that was a, a very interesting domain and experimentation mm-hmm. was much harder because at times when you were rolling out new features, we would be experimenting on features for agents. So then we would be um, experimenting on our agents on whether the tool was useful or not. So that was very exciting. Yeah. And then in my last two years at Airbnb, I switched focus completely to work on uh, acquisition of new um, uh, guests for Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So when a guest comes to the website, um, helping them, A, get to the website through different marketing channels as well as referrals um, and search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my last year, once they come to the website, how do we help them have a great onboarding experience, make their first booking as a guest? How do they... I also worked on our search uh, algorithm and how we help um, users find the best match um, to help them have a great first, second, and third experience. Wow. So in this four years, you have basically you know, uh, looked at the entire spectrum of uh, uh, customer journey and in the problem. So starting from the acquisition of customers to their onboarding experience and then customer support and then uh, the fraud or trust problem which you uh, mentioned. There are a number of parts of the customer journey I looked at. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are still lots of parts I didn't uh, have a chance to work on, Mm -hmm. such as the the supply side, so the hosts, um, how we bring new hosts to the platform, their onboarding experience, Mm -hmm. thinking about um, the space of payments. Um, there's a huge body of data science work in how we think about optimizing um, the, the actual payment experience and the yeah. payment providers and partners we work with. So, uh, yeah, I definitely got a chance, got exposed to um, a lot of the journey. Uh, mm-hmm. There are still, still a few interesting problems I haven't looked at yet that sure. hopefully in my time at Lyft I will get exposed to. Got it, got it. So let's, uh, before coming to your, uh, you know, current role, uh, I would just want to get into some of these uh, uh, problems that you face. So so let's start with the acquisition side. So can you tell a bit about uh, maybe one or two projects or problems you worked on and what kind of tools and techniques uh, did you use at that time? When I came into uh, the acquisition space at Airbnb, first thing, and I guess this is, a good framework for thinking about any project and any domain through the data science lens mm-hmm. is, um, what is what is my core metric or KPI or KR? Different companies call it different things. What am I trying to optimize subject to what constraints? Sure. That was very important. Mm-hmm. And what, I, um, what we found was there was not clear alignment um, on what that was. So mm-hmm. where we ended up was... Um, first of all, defining the metric. And so for Airbnb, in the space of guest acquisition, the, uh, the problem was given a fixed, um, a limited budget, both in terms of dollars and humans, mm-hmm. you know, engineers, data scientists, marketers, designers, etc., maximize the number of guests making their first booking on the website. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, th- and this may sound very straightforward, but it actually was not immediate. Uh, for example, making the first booking, for s- there were other views that actually it should just be signups, 
searching, having making three searches, or it should be requesting to stay somewhere, regardless of if you're accepted or rejected or don't end up actually having. Some people said we should go further. It should be making your first booking, having your first day, and writing your first positive review. So for a data scientist, a data scientist plays a key role and must play a thought leadership role in defining precisely which metric we are gold on and need to optimize towards. And this has to be done at the start. And um, for most companies, most domains, it might be trivial, but this is absolutely table stakes and foundation. No, I completely agree. In fact, uh, in a lot of scenarios, I've seen that this doesn't get defined upfront and then later on it comes back to haunt and in business changing its definition around what needs to be optimized. So so completely agree on, on that. And then was there any specific reason why you chose the first uh, booking as instead of, uh, let's say, signups or uh, first positive review? I think there was a trade-off um, there was a trade-off between how far down the funnel would we like to go. And of course, mm-hmm. a positive review is getting closer to Airbnb's mission of building a community that enables belonging anywhere. But also as a marketing team, as an acquisition team, Airbnb wants to get signal back as quickly as possible to update decisions so that uh, they can invalidate, validate hypotheses and then move on to the next hypothesis or increase optimization. So I think every company wants to go as far down the funnel as possible. And it's just what's most tolerable for Airbnb. uh, When I was there, it was the first booking. And then after defining the metrics, the, I think the next thing in the life cycle of a data science project or domain is measurement. So define what you want to optimize now build a framework for knowing if you are truly how you are moving the metric because um, one might build a model or try something out and if you don't know what the consequence of that is on your your KPI, then you don't know how it's performing. So one of the things at Airbnb in acquisition was building a muscle in measurement. And a lot of this was in uh, marketing measurement. So given... We create campaigns, spend money on these campaigns. How do we know what the return is on every dollar spent? Mm-hmm. And moreover, what is the marginal dollar we estimate we will get returned from every marginal dollar spent so we know where is the best place to spend the next dollar? And that's a very, very difficult problem. And it's uh, ubiquitous in the marketing space of uh, measurement of campaign performance. Mm-hmm. It's extremely difficult And there's a lot of different um, frameworks and philosophies for thinking about this. Some people think about channel level, um, media mix models, MMMs. Some people think about um, much higher resolution, touch level, uh, multi-touch attribution, MTA model Mm -hmm. models. Um, Fundamental to both of these, though, is uh, a framework for experimentation through incrementality testing, A-B testing. And so my first year in acquisition was really building a muscle for uh, experimentation, A-B testing, incrementality testing, where we would make sure every channel we would run an incrementality experiment. So we would know if we turn this channel off, what would we lose? And if we spent more on this channel, what is the incremental uh, number of conversions we would get to the site? 
so that we could optimally distribute our budget across different channels. So, uh, yeah, measurement was the next absolutely foundational table stakes. And then I think the third part in the data science um, journey is then finally the optimization piece. So once I know what my objective function is, and I know how to measure the impact of various changes or hypotheses on that KPI, the next thing is to automate or optimize uh, hypotheses through building machine learning models or predictive models that look to move this. So we started to invest at Airbnb in predictive modeling on, um, for example, what bid price should we set in Google AdWords or in Facebook. And so that was like the final piece was optimization. And if we had two competing algos for setting the bid price, then we already had a measurement framework where we could test one um, bidding algorithm versus a different bidding algorithm. But it wouldn't have made sense to do the bidding before we had a way to measure whether one bidding algorithm was outperforming a different bidding algorithm. Got it. Interesting. Dear listener, I am excited to announce the launch of Analytics with their Medium publication. With our Medium publication, we have opened the gates to anyone wanting to write for Analytics with them and share their work or their learnings with our community. So head over to medium.com slash analytics dash Vidya and start following our Medium publication. For the writers in you, you can submit your work to us and stand a chance to get your work featured in front of one of the largest data science community. You gain the recognition as a subject matter expert and get personalized feedback from experienced editors uh, from analytics with them. The publication can be found on medium.com slash analytics dash with them. And among these, you know, uh, various roles which you played over the four years, uh, uh, what sort of uh, tools and techniques were the most commonly used ones? So were they more like machine learning problems or predictive modeling problems or or most of the time it was uh, making sure that that, uh, the problem is well-defined and then starts getting measured? During my time at Airbnb, I saw a number of different tools being used. Mm-hmm. I think for most of the data scientists at Airbnb, uh, they would be like most companies in the Bay Area, I suppose, putting their data from um, AWS, Hive, using Hive or Presto, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and then doing a lot of um, local analysis in Python or R. Uh, I saw a trend of people moving towards Python because it's easier to um, productionize some Python scripts. But um, I think if you use one, it's very straightforward to use the other. And Mm -hmm. over my last 15 years, I guess I've used MATLAB, R, and Python back and forth uh, pretty frequently. Building solutions and models uh, on larger data sets than uh, Airbnb started to move towards Spark, and that was the the machine learning tool of choice. Uh, when I was there, we, Airbnb was also investing in building a centralized machine learning platform that could enable uh, non-scientists, non-data scientists, non-engineers to also uh, spin up their own machine learning models based on uh, a well-defined objective function and um, access to a feature repository that one could draw on. 
Oh wow, that's uh, that sounds uh, interesting and and a bit risky at the same time. Right. Yes. So um, they were starting on that journey, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And uh, uh, so, uh, uh, and how big was the team by the time you left uh, Airbnb? So when I left four months ago, after four years at Airbnb. The team had grown from 10 to about 110 people. Wow. So it grown tenfold in the four years. I think every nine to 18 months, the team essentially doubled. Uh, yeah. And then how did the nature of the role or, you know, how do you go about building the team change with this? So as the team scaled, did you start putting... a lot of let's say frameworks or best practices so so tell us a bit about that evolution which which you might have seen or been part of we definitely had growing pains during those four years and out of that came some um really good simplifications i guess there's on the in a number of uh, dimensions i suppose mm-hmm. we invested heavily in our tooling we invested heavily in building a data engineering function which um definitely scaled data scientists because we had experts in building data pipelines um having slas on core data tables uh partitions landing which meant data scientists could go back towards doing more of the analytics measurement optimization work so i think investing in a data engineering team was one of the highest value add things we did we another tool we invested heavily in was a knowledge sharing tool we created a way of a way for people to write up analysis in a format that was readable to data scientists and non-data scientists so with a clear title objective what was done why we're doing this the context what's the impact what's the conclusion what's the next step almost like a, a mini industry paper that could be shared internally and it was always um written up in python or r as a markdown so your code was in line so it's reproducible data scientists could follow the code and also this meant was we also got technical review so mm-hmm. before anything was published internally it went under a um, review process through github like a mm-hmm. pull request which was really great and really meant the quality of analysis went super high and mm-hmm. this consistency of the quality was super high and we also meant we didn't duplicate work uh, because uh, when one was looking for oh what was our result for this what was our table for this it wasn't lost in emails or slides we could just go to this library of technical papers and just find it very very quickly so that helped to scale learnings across the company well and then the third thing was we built an open source tool called superset which enabled data scientists and non-data scientists to spin up dashboards very very quickly based on existing tables that would update when a new partition land for free so we had marketers engineers product managers operations people everyone could just create a superset dashboard in a couple of minutes and it would be there forever and they could keep referring to it and mm-hmm. the tables owners in data engineering so the data quality also had an owner so then this meant um again visualization insights were scaled so that scaled the tools mm-hmm. on the people side we went through a number of iterations in our hiring process to streamline the hiring process so that at every step of the interview process we are asking for something different 
and we know which aspect of a data scientist we are looking to assess, whether it's communication or teamwork or technical skills or data foundation skills, which meant the process became a lot more efficient and um, a lot more enjoyable for the candidates. Um, we went through a couple of iterations on what the expectations for uh, scientists, data scientists are at different levels in their career. So it's very, so performance management became a lot more objective and consistent between managers at the company and over time. And so it became, expectations were a lot clearer for data scientists when they want to progress from one level to the next. Um, and this really helped with retention and growth. Um, and it also meant we could encourage mobility between different um, sub-teams at the company. So I gave you the example of myself. I moved from different teams every year. But uh, we had people, I think most people, most data scientists at Airbnb who've been at the company for at least two years have moved from one team to another, whether it's fraud to search or search to growth or growth to payments or payments to a different field. And so I think that's really exciting because that also really helped us with attracting new candidates and retention because we said, we think it's important for you to see new business problems and to take your learnings from one domain to the next and also to keep you fresh, learn a new context. So we invested extremely, uh, we invested a lot in mobility and encouraging people to think about uh, new domains. Um, mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that helped us to scale both on the tools side and on investing in data scientists and their growth. Got it, got it, interesting. And then, uh, uh, as you mentioned, so about four months back, you have now moved to Lyft, uh, uh, which is basically a, a ride-sharing uh, services uh, company, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, and uh, so so tell us a bit about your role here. What, what are some of the problems here you're working on? Sure, so in my current role, I am the... Um, growth science lead. So we group all of our employees working on uh, analytics, data science, research science, algorithms, measurement, machine learning, forecasting problems. We group them all under the umbrella of scientists. So we call ourselves scientists first and foremost. So I am the science lead for growth. Um, I have a team of about 40 people and we work across all problems related to both acquisition and engagement and retention across both passenger and driver. So now I am um, exposed to the supply side uh, acquisition and engagement problems, which is a nice new domain for me to be exposed to. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's yeah, all data science problems across that. So we have the same acquisition um, problems I mentioned before, how do we spend our dollars to bring new drivers, new passengers to the platform? But we also have the problems of um, how do we incentivize uh, passengers and drivers to continue to use the platform and to spend more time on this platform than with competing rideshare vendors. Um, so those are, those are sort of at a high level the problems we think about. And this 40 people which you mentioned, is it a mix of uh, data scientists and data engineers or, or there is a separate team which looks after the uh, engineering part data? There's a separate team called data engineering that uh, partners with um, the data science team, the science team. Sure. 
And so as an organization, uh, you know, when you look at Lyft versus, uh, you know, the journey you had seen on Airbnb, uh, how mature or how uh, how ahead is Lyft and in their data science journey uh, compared to, let's say, Airbnb? My assessment so far is that uh, Lyft is definitely not as far in its maturity as a company as Airbnb. I think it's probably as a company across all functions, about two years behind uh, Airbnb. Airbnb was founded a few years earlier than mm-hmm. Lyft. So it's uh, still a couple of years behind in its journey. And it's, this is especially pronounced in the science organization where we are still getting our tooling, experimentation tooling, dashboard tooling, data querying tooling, analysis mm-hmm. sharing tooling to where Airbnb is. And so for me, it's been like watching the same movie twice, I guess, is how one person puts it. But I sort of um, see where we're, what we're going to hit up against in the next two years. But it, it's really great because things that it took me and my colleagues at Airbnb maybe mm-hmm. six months, 12 months to get to what we thought was an acceptable state, we can sort of do here in a month and we can implement that more quickly. So it's, it's definitely great to be able to add value as a data scientist in that respect. Sure, sure. As part of your strategy, and uh, because you said you're now looking at both uh, the supply side and the demand side, so does that also include some kind of, let's say, matching or, uh, uh, you know, looking at uh, recommendations for uh, for the site, which uh, which was not there at Airbnb? We have another team uh, that uh, thinks about the matching problems, the dispatch problems, mm-hmm. the pricing problems uh, of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so the way um, growth partners with Marketplace is sort of um, growth is trying to improve the conditions for matching. So can growth encourage more passengers and more drivers to uh, open the platform, be available on the platform for then the Marketplace to improve, to match more people and uh, create more um, great experiences? Sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, uh, if I have to, you know, kind of step back uh, over the last three to four years, uh, you know, you have spent a lot of time in uh, media mix marketing or, or you know, uh, getting to a place uh, where you optimize for more customer acquisition. Uh, how have you seen this uh, domain evolve? So have you seen, let's say, a use of more machine learning based approaches or uh, so? So uh, have you seen any changes in domain in general and in, in uh, if yes, what, what are those changes? So do you mean in terms of the methodologies? Correct. Or methodologies the or the compute power which people are using or, or the ways they are going about optimizing uh, for their spends. I think that a lot of the current investment at companies like Lyft that are tackling two-sided marketplace problems that people have not tackled before and in the real timeness that Lyft does it compared to Airbnb, there is more energy being spent today in defining the problem and the Mm -hmm. subcomponents of the problem than the compute power and actually how to solve the problem. For example, Mm -hmm. at Lyft, there is still varied opinions on what the objective function should be on the passenger side or the driver side or for the pricing side or the ETA side because of the heavy and immediate feedback loops of these 
decisions. Mm -hmm. So actually, a lot of the data science work is in describing the ecosystem and the different milestones of the ecosystem and where we can create handoffs for um, optimizations. Sure, sure. In order to, you know, uh, measure yourself, what are the metrics you look at uh, at Lyft currently? We would think about some of the obvious things um, that people might associate with uh, Lyft. So ride-sharing companies, so of course rides mm -hmm. is a KPI for us. Um, mm -hmm. And then with any company, we always think about sort of growth accounting, how many new passengers or drivers do we have? What is the retention on those? What is the churn on those? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so those are KP core KPIs. Um, we also put a lot of emphasis on the experience because, um, because it's, again, like Airbnb, but unlike many online companies, e-commerce companies, there's an offline experience, a real interaction between two human beings meeting face-to-face -face that we put a lot of emphasis on measuring how good was that face-to-face -face interaction, mm -hmm. either through the star ratings or NPS or surveys. We really want to know, did this add value to this life? You know, Lyft's core mission is improving people's lives through the world's best transportation um, platform. And mm -hmm. so um, we need to measure that because that is the core mission. That is our core mission. Sure, sure. Are you excited about the possibilities of computer vision through deep learning? The application of computer vision range from understanding the environment in a self-driving car to building facial recognition systems for classrooms or manufacturing industries. Head over to trainings.analyticswithdia.com and check out our course on computer vision using deep learning to start your journey today. Going forward, uh, you know, uh, what sort of problems uh, would you uh, be focusing on? So any specific areas which you, uh, which you want to focus on in the next, let's say, 6 to 12 months? I think probably you would have seen um, in the past couple of weeks that Lyft announced its um, partnership and joining forces with Motivate, which is a docked yeah. bike provider Mm -hmm. um, that's currently in various cities in the US. So it's a signal on uh, lifts our intent to um, fulfill our mission through thinking about other modes of transport. Mm -hmm. So this um, adds an extra dimensionality to the problem. Where now, when we have passengers or would-be passengers open the platform, open the app, we will now not be recommending or giving them a price and time estimate for when they ride, uh, for their ride. But we'll also be making recommendations on, hey, I think you should take a bike that's nearby or a scooter that's nearby, or actually there's a bus route near you that's really good. You should jump on a bus and then finish your journey with a, with a ride share or with a bike. So now mm -hmm. stitching different, um, different modes of transport for a particular journey is going to open up a huge... Um, uh, a huge area of problems for us, really exciting problem space, because we want to give people the best um, journey. And everyone for their journey has constraints on price or time or mode of transport, accessibility, mm -hmm. etc. So we want to 
tailor our solution and recommendation to each individual. And um, that's going to be phenomenal, phenomenally exciting for us. Yeah, I can imagine because you're basically moving from a, uh, a system where you had a start space and uh, end space well-defined to almost uh, a place where you can have in, uh, options with intermediate switching and then, uh, you know, people taking multiple modes to, to reach their end state. So, so exactly. Interesting. That should be interesting. Great. And when you look at uh, Lyft, uh, do you see any differences in the way you go about hiring people? And, you know, what are some of the things you look at uh, while, while you hire people at Lyft? I think it's uh, a lot of similarities to other companies. Mm-hmm. We are looking for um, people that um, essentially spike in two areas. One is business sense. Do I, can I quickly understand the business context? What's important? Do I care about optimizing the metric? And do I feel a sense of ownership for that so that I prioritize my time Mm -hmm. towards uh, optimizing the, to making the business metric move versus just working on an interesting problem? Mm -hmm. And the second attribute is, do I have the technical chops, training, to play that partnership role to engineering, marketing, operations, design, product management, that I have the scientific toolkit and thought process to take a problem from defining it in terms of the metrics, understanding the measurement, and then understanding how to identify opportunities and optimizing. So it's those two attributes of business sense and being determined to move the business metric and having the scientific and technical ability and training to do that. Sure, sure. Great, great. And a lot of times we get people that have the technical ability and training but cannot translate that into business impact and business or product sense. And those people are typically the people that um, don't get through our hiring uh, system. So overall level, you've worked with, uh, you know, two companies where uh, there is a ton of user data, which uh, which comes across. Can you share some of the best practices, uh, uh, which which you think people should follow in uh, typically B2C companies to, to make sure that the user data gets uh, used in, in an effective manner? Absolutely. The first thing is, again, to think about the mission. So mm-hmm. Airbnb has belong every, anywhere. For Lyft, it's um, improve people's lives through the best uh, transportation company. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, absolute table stakes is being responsible with users' data, sensitive data, respecting privacy and how we um, and how we use and share that data. So it's very important for companies to have a very clear policy of who can access what and for what reasons and for how long. Uh, etc. And so it's very important to have that policy clearly laid out internally. And then based on that, um, follows very clearly what data scientists should have access to and why, and how they should use that data to uh, meet, to fulfill the mission. So if it's to improve the pricing or what we can offer or recommendations, then that's got to be done appropriately. And also, it's important to, wherever possible, anonymize or hide um, sensitive data when it's just not uh, necessary or useful 
for the problem you're trying to solve. So um, it may it's not useful, it's not necessary to know someone's uh, PII for, for most problems. And so that sh access should be restricted and um, yeah, not used. Mm -hmm. um, but in all senses, it's being responsible, always thinking about the mission. And the mission means putting the, the users first. And that means first and foremost, sort of table stakes is respecting that data set and feeling responsible for how we use that data set. Sure, sure. Great, great. Uh, so, uh, Alu, this uh, covers uh, some of the questions which I wanted to uh, ask. In the last part of this podcast, what I usually do is, you know, just ask a few rapid fire questions. So, uh, you know, I'll just ask you a few questions and you can answer whatever comes to your mind uh, uh, as, the, as the first thing. Sure, let's try it. Sure. So between quant trading and, uh, you know, leading data science at uh, tech companies, uh, which one do you prefer? I think data science. Data science. Okay. Uh, agreed. And uh, if not uh, data science at one of these companies, what would you be doing? Maybe something outdoors. Gardening seems interesting. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Uh, one of the domains where you think data science can actually make a higher impact than what is it is doing currently? Government. Government. Okay. And do, would you a, want to share an a, example? Yeah. There's a ton of data there. There's a ton of money there. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of measurement. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that leads to a, loud, a lack of accountability and impact. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, that, if all those things could be married, we could really tackle some big problems that can have huge impact on people's lives through everything, the criminal justice system, through healthcare, through, our, uh, through how we think about welfare, uh, the environment, through food, our, our decisions on um, food and nutrition. Um, all of these sure and uh, if you have to give uh, one advice to you know aspiring data scientists uh, uh, what would that be i would say get very dirty with real data and real life problems um, go to websites like kaggle that host challenges i know you interviewed um, the ceo in one of your podcasts yeah. get used to using data with python or r and really appreciate the business context, read blogs, understand business problems, think deeply about it, and just get stuck in with data. Find any data set you can about something interesting, investigate it, come up with some cool graphics or conclusions or models, and then blog about it. It's easy to write a blog on Medium or something else. and um, yeah, Start to raise your profile um, and get deep and dirty with the data. Sure, sure. Great, great advice there. And uh, thanks a lot for your time, uh, Alo. Pretty sure the community would learn a lot uh, from what we discussed, especially, you know, the importance of uh, defining the problem and then measuring it uh, as opposed to what a lot of people think that, you know, it's, it's about uh, applying those ML algorithms uh, to, to get the answers. So, so thanks a lot for your time. Uh, and then it has been a pleasure uh, talking to you. Of course. And thank you for, again, the opportunity to share any thoughts that can be helpful to the community. And um, uh, yeah, thank you. Sure, sure. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Alok. And looking forward to interacting you with you in future.